0: Welcome to BNV Radio. We're coming to you from Board and Vellum, a design firm here in Seattle, Washington. It's an exciting time to be in Seattle, whether you grew up here or you're new to the area. And we're going to talk a little bit about design, but more than that, we're going to talk about what it's like to experience Seattle through the eyes of a designer. I'm Charles. I'm an architect here at Board and Vellum. I live in the Central District neighborhood and I've been a Seattleite for 18 months.
1: And I'm Rachel. I'm a designer. I live in Old Ballard, and I've been a Seattleite since I was two years old.
0: This week's show is titled Art in the Pacific Northwest, and that's a pretty broad topic as there are so many different types of artistic expression. Seattle itself is a very vibrant art community, but not many people outside the region know a lot about it. With so many people moving here, a lot more Seattleites are going to be exposed to it and searching it out, and that's going to open up a whole world of possibilities. Here to talk about some of those possibilities is a special guest sitting right next to me, Haley Buckby, who is an architect here at Board and Vellum. Haley, thank you so much for coming. Thank you for inviting me, Charles. So how long have you lived in Seattle and what neighborhood do you live in?
2: Um, I've lived in Seattle since 2012. Um, I came here for graduate school. I've lived in multiple neighborhoods in Seattle, um, Finney Ridge, Greenwood, near Aurora, which has a lot of stories associated with it. Um and Capitol Hill and Fremont. So I've I've lived in plenty of the neighborhoods. So you
0: got a few more to check off before you get like a parade.
2: Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> Isn't that like a little known thing? You get a parade if you live in enough enough neighborhoods.
1: Yeah. One. Seattle neighborhood bingo.
0: Great. Right. Yeah. Everybody yeah. knows that game, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I only have two, so you're way ahead of me. <laughs> um but you didn't you didn't grow up in Seattle, is that correct?
2: No, no. I uh I grew up in Southern Oregon. I spent most of my childhood on the Oregon coast and then most of my high school experience in uh, a town called Roseburg, Oregon. Um, The Oregon coast is uh, not a lot going on culturally, but landscapes and outdoor adventures. Um, Roseburg, on the other hand, is a totally different landscape. Um, equally as beautiful in terms of, of natural aspects. Um, but a little bit closer to say culture like Portland, Eugene. So it's funny, um,
0: coming from outside the Pacific Northwest, I, and I know this isn't even the right thing to do. I always kind of equate Washington state with Oregon, but is there like a state rivalry? Like Rachel, I'm curious to hear about you. Is there like an Oregon Washington state rivalry?
1: Yeah, definitely, but not in not in a really contentious way, because I think I think we think of our two states as kind of like a Pacific Northwest team, mm-hmm. you know, along with you know, we, we grab a little bit of Northern California, too, and
0: California's not watching it. So,
2: <laughs> well, I think there was a movement. Um, I don't know when it was a movement, but the state or the country of Cascadia, Cascadia. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. where we wanted to secede from the United States and become our own country here in the Pacific Northwest and Northern California.
1: And that incorporated part of British Columbia too. Yeah. I mean, yeah. who doesn't like Canadians? I know.
0: Everybody likes <laughs> Canadian. I do too. I'm actually going up to Vancouver again for the second time uh, in August. I'm super excited. Last time I was there, I went in the middle of winter, or what passes for winter here, and it was just so rainy and gross. Charles, uh,
1: are you insulting our winters?
0: (laughs) Your winter is it's just wet. It's not, <laughs> it's because I used to, I used to have this visceral response to winter where I just like started shivering and like covering all the exposed skin. Uh, and here winter is much more of a pleasant, it's just more pleasant. It's more of a pleasant experience. Winter here has like kind of a smiley, one of like the, not the super smiley face, but the kind of smiley face emoji.
1: So you know what happens now? We get to check the box that we talked about weather We did. on our about weather podcast again. This is
0: kind of becoming a little bit of tradition on the show. We talked about the first episode. I think we talked about weather for like the first 15 minutes of the show. Like you can't have a conversation in Seattle without talking about the weather for a while.
2: so nice right now. It's just a juxtaposition of like what happens in the winter times. <laughs> but uh, Haley,
0: one of the reasons I, I thought it would be awesome if you were on the show today is that you are kind of an artist in your own right. Can you tell us a little bit about the kind of stuff you do and how long you've been doing it?
2: Yes. Uh, so I am part of a studio. We call ourselves RSVR. It's a distillation of the word reservoir, which essentially means a a collective or a collaboration we are only two people but we like to collaborate with um, other artists engineers architects um, sound engineers pretty much anybody because we like the the richness that comes out of um, the collaborative process Um, our studios been around for about eight years now. It was started by Ian Campbell in 2007. Um, We've done several projects in the Pacific Northwest, uh, in Portland and in Seattle and in Tacoma, um, hitting all the cities on the Mm -hmm. (laughs) I-5. And we typically work with light as our sort of base, uh, medium, but using, um, ubiquitous objects, um, as another form of medium in which to collect the light off of, or, um, to reflect the light off of. Yeah. One of our more recent pieces was in the Methune gallery, and it was actually one of our only pieces that doesn't actually use, um, light, like light fixtures. Mm -hmm. We were using daylight as a form of medium to, Uh, reflect off of the piece Um, and then we're also working with SDOT and the Office of Arts and Culture at the moment to um, conceptualize Art lighting for the three bascule bridges in Seattle. Well, there's more than three, but <laughs> we get three. Ballard, the Fremont, and the University Bridge. And that's been a wonderful process. Um we had a four-month residency where we had a studio in the University Bridge Tower, which was really, really cool. Oh, that's awesome. I love that tower. Yeah, uh, yeah. And we've been um we're now stepping into phase two, which will include um, more or less, a temporary installation in the spirit of our original design concepts as they were delivered in back at the beginning of 2017.
0: That's awesome. What are some of the sources of your inspiration? Do you draw any from growing up in Oregon, or is it mostly out of your your education? I knew you were educated as an architect.
2: Um, yeah. I mean, uh, architecture has played a major role. Uh, we are. We consider ourselves site-specific artists, which I think differs a little bit from traditional art because we're we want something to respond to. We want something to observe and document, and actually have a response in terms of of light or sculpture or object in the space. Um, most often, we're we're working within architecture, which is really interesting because. Uh, both Ian and I, uh, uh, my partner at RSVR, we're trained as architects, so we understand space. But like, there's a part of us that gets that excitement and that intrigue about how do you produce art for a space? Like, it's not something you brought in and you said, "This is me. This is my art." This is something that you say, "This is a space," and it's like a personification. You give it something. You you give it a spirit. You give it a Um, a sculptural piece within it that is responding to it.
0: Growing up on the East Coast, I lived in three different cities, and each city had the art community was very, very different culturally. And what I mean by that is in New York City, it was just overcrowded, kind of like everything is in New York City, just completely overcrowded. There's just so many artists doing so many things. There's so much competition and everybody's just trying to be louder and brasher than the last person. And everybody's just trying to get noticed. In Philly, it was... A lot more communal, very small art community. The galleries were only just like two or three blocks in the oldest part of the city. And it was very open to everybody. And in D.C. it was almost non-existent. <laughs> and it was it's funny because just about anybody, and I apologize to any D.C. artists that listen to this, Um it, just about anybody, if you're making art, they're so happy that there's another artist because it's just a small community that you'll get a huge, huge show. And so it's almost this range between you know, absolute cutthroat competition to like, oh my God, you made something. Let's show it. Uh, if that's the scale, where does Seattle fall on that scale? Do you think it's, it's more uh, competitive like New York or do you think it's a little more communal like Philly or do you think it's almost like and anybody who who makes something is going to get a voice like, uh, like DC.
2: I think the arts community here is very entrepreneurial. Um, we have a lot of art walks in which you can participate and it's, it's a pretty easy thing to do. But, um, as an artist, you can jump in and show your work and you open yourself up for the criticism of the Seattle art world, but you have the opportunity to, um, in other places, it it it's different um, in terms of of like the the sort of gallery space. Like you have to find yourself a gallery. You have to get into that gallery. Yeah. You have to pay for that gallery. Here, you know, considering the Capitol Hill Art Walk um, and how open it is to to artists, like you can um, be easily be invited or easily invite yourself to a to any retail spot, any office, any. Um, a sidewalk, in fact, along the along the walk and um, show your work. And I think that spirit um, is reflected in a lot of the, the upcoming work we're seeing right now in Seattle.
0: You know, that's one of the most special things about Seattle that I noticed being new here is that it, this is the first city I, I've lived in where there were so many galleries in retail windows. And by galleries, I don't mean like this is giant thousand square foot museum with white walls where everybody's walking around and, and, um, you know, deconstructing some giant performance piece. But, uh, for instance, down the street, uh, for people who don't live in Seattle, uh, there's this big grocery store. And normally in a grocery store, you have all these windows and you can see the food or people entering and leaving, but these windows are blacked out. And instead uh, there are uh, paintings and pieces that rotate out. And uh, here at Board and Vellum's offices, in fact, we have a similar type of space, and these are encouraged by the local zoning codes. And it's, uh, you know, every retail space. Um, along this strip, it seems like, has some sort of rotating gallery, which is really awesome. And it exposes so many more people to art uh, than I've seen in any other city regularly. And, uh, you know, here in Vellum, you actually kind of run and curate our little gallery space up front for the Art Walk. Uh, What are some of your favorite exhibits that we've had so far?
2: Uh, One of my favorites was Etta Lilienthal. She's also a light artist. And um, she used a giant six foot by six foot mirror and lights to reflect on that mirror to sort of create this this moment where there's a reflection in the window, there's a reflection on the floor, there's a reflection in another window. So you get this multi um, like dimensional art piece just with one mirror. Granted, it was it was very large, um, but I think all the artists we've had here have been really intriguing and also so spirited they've like gone out most of them have come to our office and asked what the um what it takes to show their work here
1: i have a thought about that that other piece the the light installation that we had here by uh i'm afraid i'm going to say her name incorrectly etta lilienthal yeah okay it was a cool piece and it came up um i was at one of our neighboring businesses here bakery nouveau uh getting a Quite a delicious sandwich that I have a little bit of a habit of getting. It's very delicious. Anyway, she was mentioning a woman that works there that she loved that piece because it lit up the street at night. And when she left the bakery late at night after work and it was dark, the entire street glowed and it made her feel safer, which I think is one of those interesting things that I, you know, I haven't met the artist. I don't know if that was remotely part of her intention at all but her art had an impact on a, in a different way for a greater community of people that weren't even in the gallery you're just passing by it was an inter- it was interesting to hear her say that and uh, she was a little disappointed when it went away <laughs>
2: <laughs> well I think light art in general has that effect and I think a lot of light artists look at it that way is there's there's the artistic expression part of it but there's also this this sort of commitment to the public space Um, and part of that is like brightening up our like long winter nights you know we we in Seattle our days are probably only what like 10 hours long if not eight hours long
1: shorter in the winter in the winter we get something like
2: like suns up at eight a.m. It's down at three thirty p.m. And so to be able to extend that daylight hours, to be able to take the light from three thirty and make it go till midnight in those long days, it's it's a really wonderful thing, and it's a and it's an expression in itself. Yeah,
0: it's unsurprising to me actually that light is such a big factor in your work. Um, that was something that certainly I was exposed to for the first time over the last I'm approaching two years here. Um, Is that how much light affects us and how emotionally attached people are to how their access to light attracted to light sources, especially in the evening, which kind of lasts forever in the winter. Like even though you were saying we get six hours of daylight, uh, if you're listening to this and you're not from Seattle, daylight in the winter here is a lot like almost night. When you when you see someone with a with a natural, um, you know, like sunlight bulb. I know Rachel. You actually have one at your desk in the winter. I think. Yeah, I do. I yeah. have an hap- I have a happy light, and um, <laughs> it's a know, big deal here. The jury is
1: still out whether or not it it helps. in but if you think even be, if it's a placebo yeah, light, it might be like, a good like... placebo. Yeah, we're we're a community of shadowless people for <laughs> months and <laughs> months at a time.
0: But I think that's fascinating. I think it's really unique to the Pacific Northwest. Uh, I I did not see a whole lot of light-based art before coming here. And so it's really, really interesting that that's a part of what you do. Speaking of how art and the art culture is specific here in the Pacific Northwest, that's subjective by nature and it withers in a vacuum. You know, its art is meant to be visited. It's meant to be observed and to be experienced. And so now that there are a ton more eyes and ears here than ever before in Seattle, uh, Haley, I'm curious to hear what you think, how artistic expression has changed and responded to this, this influx of brand new people.
2: I haven't lived in Seattle that long to see it, significantly change um there are stories of people that have lived here for many years that have seen it drastically change both culturally um and literally uh the west coast is influenced by a lot of great art I think the land arts of the American west is like just a a beginning point of it we back in the 1960s and 70s artists started escaping the gallery and and getting out into nature using the the earth as medium and and i think that reflects a lot in the art that we produce here in seattle it's it sort of breaks the boundaries of galleries and it gets people out into the streets and 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 creating art on site and responding to sites with art um and it really i think it harkens back to this art walk and our our proliferation for art walks here in seattle is it we don't need a gallery to express ourselves. We we get out there. We we get out in the coffee shops and we we show our work and and it's sort of like we're open to that criticism, open to people coming and saying, "Well, that." or excuse me that that criticism besides like that they went out there they they were vulnerable like we're we're very willing to be vulnerable culture and although Seattle is not really known for being like a very critical in terms of like especially art and architecture we're very vulnerable in terms of art and architecture we put ourselves out there and um, and I think it helps to move culture forward in terms of um, expression and art.
0: It's funny. We talked a little bit last week, uh, Rachel, you and I, about how Seattle, uh, Seattleites are all-in kind of people, uh, generally. Like they either care incredibly passionately, one thousand percent, about something, or it's not on on their radar at all. And I think of artists anywhere that way as being either incredibly invested or blinders altogether. And I can only imagine uh, being a Pacific Northwest uh, artist and having that be almost exponential in a way. Do you think uh, the sensitivity to criticism in the Pacific Northwest is... Uh, An issue, a pro, a con—is that even a thing? Have I totally just made that up out of thin air?
2: (laughs) No, I mean, I mean, isn't there like something about the what's the thing where people don't talk to each other on the on the buses in Seattle? The Seattle. It's like, Are you
1: talking about the Seattle freeze? The
2: Seattle freeze, yeah. It's uh-huh. like
0: it's the, now made an appearance on all three of our podcasts yeah, so far.
2: Oh, really? <laughs> Yeah,
0: <laughs> and it's funny. I think in episode yeah. one we talked about how it didn't exist, and then in episode two we mentioned it, and then in episode three we mentioned it.
2: There is like a I can. It's relatable to that in a way. Like we're we're quiet culturally, and I think that um, it's not a good thing and it's not a bad thing it is a thing though that we have to adapt to and accept and i think the more we accept it the better we're going to become at like pushing the boundaries the the lack of critical culture here actually allows people to be a little bit more freer i mean for those of you that have been to portland oregon like it's weird, like the, the stuff that comes out of it, the art that comes out of it, the people that come out of it. I'm one of those people, um, are weird, and they think of the world very differently because no one's been there to say, no, that doesn't work because it's wrong. You know, there's been no one stopping them or us or or we from like pushing the boundaries and saying, well, this is who I am or this is the work I do. Um, there's no traditionality or, or boundaries in terms of art because the, the, the sort of education, the academic criticisms don't exist to the, to the extent that they do maybe on the East coast or, um, in the galleries, you know, once you get out, once you leave it, like you are putting yourself out there, but you're also, um, you're also kind of free of those boundaries.
0: Hmm, interesting. You know, it's funny, in architectural education, I know I experienced this, I don't know if you if you did, Rachel, no one can ever be scarier than my final review. Okay. It was like, it's so intimidating, so scary, and so harsh. And then I got out of the professional world, and if some guy in a suit did like what I designed, I was just like, well, you're just some guy in a suit. Yeah, as harsh as the education sounds, it made me more comfortable when I created in the public later had have you observed because you were educated as an architect not an artist have you observed people who have been educated as an artist in the pacific northwest being unprepared for criticism or has that has it has just been so incredibly supportive even outside of the educational institutions that it hasn't been an issue
2: Oh, well, that's a hard question to answer because I don't actually know a ton of, like, I don't know personally a lot of artists that have been trained here in the Pacific Northwest. Most people, a lot of people I know that are doing art um, are not necessarily trained as artists, not necessarily educated. Like, not not educated in, like, a bad way, but didn't go to college, didn't get, like, a, a, um, a traditional degree in art. I definitely think that that outside of that, like academic um, uh, training, we still have to uh, we we still have to deal with the real world problems that you see everywhere else. You still have a client, or you still have a um, somebody that you're producing work for, or even yourself. Um, so I don't think you're free of the constraints of the real world. You just didn't have to worry about abiding by those constraints when you were when you were going through these thought exercises, when you were creating. And um, in school, I was I went to both Portland State University and University of Washington for architecture. And we did have a similar experience to you. It was a a very critical environment, but um, it was also a supportive environment. So it was like you had both both ends.
0: That's 30s. so cool. Yeah. I think we view it too much as being mutually exclusive. Yeah. Like somehow you can't be critical and supportive. You can only be one or the other. Uh, so that's a really interesting, that's a really interesting point.
1: You know, I have a, a very good friend who got her MFA from the Pacific Northwest College of Art uh, or of the arts. I might be doing this incorrectly. PNCA.
2: PNCA. Whatever. Yeah, in Portland. Yeah, in huh. Portland.
1: Anyway, um, it was incredibly... Uh, critical. Like, she yeah. she learned all the same kind of stress that yeah. we all went through in architecture school and the ups and downs and the emotional drain and the you know, frustration and just, you know, combined with the elation, you, you get very much emotionally tied into it. But it, it taught her how to, to be very analytical and critical of the work that she was producing. Um, and I don't think that she would ever... Change her decision to go there, even though at the time and just like architecture school stressed us all out. Mm-hmm. It stressed her out to be there, and so I think that the the former the former excuse me the formal art education world is very it has its same degree of critique that the architecture world does, and as you should be an interesting person to to talk to about it all because navigating being. In in the art world and then coming into it with another level of education, I think, is an interesting challenge Mm -hmm. Um, when you when you were in it before and then you went to school for a while and then you're coming back in and you have this new insight. It's it's another particular challenge to figure out how to navigate. Uh,
0: Before we wrap up, I was curious to hear if you had like a dream site in Seattle or a dream project. That you really wanted to do here in the in the city,
2: oh. like is there
0: one place that you would just die to have a piece there?
2: My answer to the dream, like dream project, is always a um, an architectural folly in a dramatic landscape. And I mean folly because I I think that it's a folly response to its place less than a function, and um, that's really intriguing to me because of what I do outside of architecture. And so a dramatic landscape for Seattle, for me, would be the water. Um, So honestly, it would be something in the middle of the water. Who knows where or how or why, but like if I could do something it would be smack dab in the middle of the sound
0: that's cool that's really cool i like that idea you have to do it now everybody Buckby buckby's gonna do a huge art installation in the middle of puget sound she literally has no choice now that's that's how that works thank you so much for joining us Haley. i really appreciate you taking the time out to sit with us um and thank you Uh, for listening. We just finished our last night's school event. The next one will be right around the corner. We'll keep you posted. And as always, we have a storefront office here on Capitol Hill on 15th Avenue. So please stop by and chat with us. We would love to have you. We will see you all next week.